Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. This is episode 66 of the Student Ministry Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Cullum, and today is a very special day. Not only are we starting our sixth year of this podcast, but also we are bringing back a guest uh, to kind of celebrate, but also catch up. Uh, His name is Aaron Stetson. Aaron joined us for the very first podcast, the very first episode of this podcast. And uh, it's so great to to see what God is doing in his life and to catch up today on this episode. So uh, you're going to enjoy hearing what God has been doing in Aaron's life. Um, He's definitely been up to some really good things uh, in and through Aaron over the last several years, uh, the last five years since we've talked. So kind of cool to uh, to catch up with our first guest ever on this podcast and uh, and hear all those stories about what God's done in his life. Uh, he's currently not actually in vocational youth ministry anymore. Uh, he was doing bivocational ministry at the time, uh, being a youth pastor, but also an electrician. And that things have kind of changed uh, over the last uh, couple years for him. Uh, specifically during this last year, he made a, a pretty big move. I'll let him tell all those details uh, to you in just a little bit, but I know not only is it going to be cool to hear his story, but also he's got some great opportunities for you guys out there that are looking for ways to get your students serving and giving back, especially when uh, big needs arise. And uh, not only your students, but also other uh, adults in your church. Maybe um, you can help out with natural disaster relief and things like that, or uh, help out with some different outreach programs that they have uh, through this new organization that he has, uh, that he's working through now. And so I won't take any way uh, from what he's going to tell you to just know that it's going to be a great conversation today with with Aaron Stetson. Uh, But before we jump into any of that, I just want to thank you guys so much for making this podcast happen. I mean, a good reason why we are starting year six uh, in this episode is because of you. You keep coming back. You keep subscribing. You keep sharing this with other youth workers out there. And uh, I am so grateful to just be able to do this. And in large part, that is because uh, you are, the audience are just so uh, incredibly helpful and supportive. Uh, you you send us people that we should talk to and interview. And uh, it's such an awesome opportunity to be able to do this. So thank you guys so much. Uh, I don't know where the future holds, uh, but uh, here we are starting year six. Uh, So thank you guys so much for that. If you've not done so yet, I would encourage you to leave a positive review on your favorite podcast app. Uh, Maybe that's Apple podcast, or maybe it's Spotify or whatever, wherever you listen to this podcast, or maybe you actually watch the, uh, the video version, which is not actually video. It's, it's just a a static image, but I do put it on my YouTube channel as well. So maybe you're watching there. Uh, Just let us know what you think. And, uh, and a review uh, is just so helpful because that just helps us kind of uh, be uh, aggregated to the top of, of the podcast list. So if you haven't done that yet, I would encourage you to do that and uh, be very, very grateful. Uh, In addition to you guys, the listeners, which is a huge part of this podcast, the other reason that we're able to keep this going is because of our sponsors. So let's take a moment to thank the sponsors of this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. Our first sponsor, G-Shades, is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see everyday life situations through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades has options to fit everybody. 
With three plans to choose from, this curriculum gives you the resources that you need to do what you want to do better. Do you just need message outlines, discussion guides, and games? Just $16 a month. Looking for a higher production value that includes bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides? That's $25 a month. Or do you want an affordable youth ministry video curriculum that will help you increase your online reach during the pandemic? G-Shades has you covered for only $36 a month. You won't find youth ministry video curriculum at that price anywhere else. G-Shades really does offer something different than most of the other curriculums out there by offering this huge focus on the gospel and how to see life through the gospel. Mike Haynes is the founder of G-Shades, and you can hear more from him on episodes 32 and 55 of the Student Ministry Podcast. So head over to gshades.org, that's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G, to download Season 2 of G-Shades Youth Ministry Curriculum and use the promo code UNITED at the checkout to get an extra $5 off. That's U-N-I-T-E-D at the checkout to get an extra $5 off of your order. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Also sponsoring this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast is an app called MenHub Youth, made by a student pastor to help people like you and me. MenHub Youth helps you store and track your student, staff, and parent information, as well as attendance for your events. There are tons of features, but today I want to talk to you about the Training Academy. You can create training lessons for your leaders to go through in the app, just like an online course, but for your ministry right in the app. You can include videos, text, images, links, and even questions. Before a leader can mark a lesson as complete, they need to answer your questions, and you can see all of their responses and see which leaders have finished each training. The app is only $5 on the iOS and Android app store, and you can use it forever on that one device without ever paying any more. But if you want to sync your database across multiple devices or with other leaders, you can sign up for the MinHub Sync service and support the Student Ministry Podcast by visiting minhubsync.com slash SMP for Student Ministry Podcast. That's M-I-N. H-U-B-S-Y-N-C dot com slash S-M-P. Thanks to both G-Shades and MinHub for sponsoring this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. And you can find links to both of them in the podcast show notes. All right, now it's time to get into this conversation with Aaron Stetson. Well, hey, Aaron, thanks so, so much for uh, joining us for this episode of the podcast and welcome back. You are our My first pleasure. guest. My pleasure. I feel I feel famous here. I, I was the start and now here I am back again. You are. You are. And uh, not only is are you returning, but uh, we are celebrating five years of the podcast. So it was uh, five years ago when you first appeared on the Student Ministry Podcast. So thanks for being our first guest and thanks for being our uh, a guest here on the, the five-year anniversary episode. Yeah, it seems like yesterday we were setting up trying to figure out where to put the youth room, uh, the, the microphone in our youth room at, at the church I was serving at at the time. And uh, it's it's crazy to think that it's been five years. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, things have things have changed for you. I, I, things have changed for me uh, over those five years as well. But uh, so if, if people are really, really want to know more about your your story um, previous to like five years ago, uh, we do encourage you guys to check out episode one. Um, you can hear um Aaron's salvation story and how he got into ministry in the first place and things like that. Uh, but Aaron catches up. The last thing people knew uh, from the podcast, at least, is that you were a bivocational youth pastor in New Hampshire. And that is not the case anymore. So so what's been going on in your life? Certainly not in New Hampshire anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the the short version is, or as short as I can make it, as somebody who's been in youth ministry, I don't know that I can make too much short. Um, through my time at my church in New Hampshire, uh, I had served on many occasions at a uh, outreach in Appalachia in the southernmost city of West Virginia with an organization called Hope Force, uh, Hope Force International. And we do, or, or they do, not to give away anything, they do uh, international disaster relief. And there's uh, some ongoing um projects in areas of systemic poverty. We have an ongoing um, mission in Mexico. We have an ongoing mission in Haiti after the earthquake, and we have an ongoing mission in, in Appalachia. And that's how I first got connected with, with what we do. Uh, my first summer, or actually my first year at my church in New Hampshire, I was told by a student, hey, just so you know, we go on mission trips in West Virginia. And I was kind of like, yes, sir. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> but in the spirit of not changing everything your first year, if you don't know that, if you're a new youth pastor, please don't change everything your first year. You'll make a lot of enemies. Um, but in the spirit of not changing everything uh, in the first year, I said, hey, let's check this out. And I just fell in love with the ministry. And then fast forward probably to about 2017, uh, Hurricane Harvey hit uh, Houston area. And I had an opportunity to go and deploy on the immediate response down there, uh, cleaning out, like we call it mucking out houses in, in Houston that had had seven feet of water in them for a couple of weeks. Wow. And it just blew me away. Uh, the ministry of serving people who've, who've lost everything. Um, what really captivated me in that moment is serving people who just their head is spinning with everything that they have going on and hope force provides uh, physical help. So we do the, the, the dirty, nasty, ugly work of hauling out everything in your home. That's been flooded for two weeks. And then we also have chaplains and emotional spiritual care workers who are praying with people and meeting with people and to see those two things working together. Uh, the mm -hmm. founder of Hope Force refers that to that as the two hands of the gospel working together. Mm -hmm. So you're meeting spiritual needs and you're meeting physical needs. And either one, if you only do that, I my belief is that it would be a little lopsided. Mm -hmm. So 2017, I almost made the jump. Uh, Steve and lived in the same town as me and, and we prayed about this. He prayed with me a lot. And it wasn't, it wasn't yet God's timing. I, I still, all in all, I still would, felt uh, called to my church in New Hampshire. So fast forward, uh, I said I would make this short, didn't I? I apologize. That's all right. <laughs> fast forward to early 2020, and it just was on my heart again. Uh, and, and my wife and I were processing. And then the uh, tornado hit Nashville uh, in early March. 
of 2020 and uh, actually almost a year ago from the time we're recording this. And I decided that I, I really needed to go. And I got back after a couple of days of serving down there. And my wife said, so does this mean we're moving to Tennessee? <laughs> and and we, we prayed about it. We agreed. And about four days later, the world shut down. And so, so July of this year, we made the jump, uh, packed everything up and we sold our house and we moved to the Nashville area. And I'm, I'm serving as the disaster response coordinator with, with Hope Force, uh, leading teams on, on trips, going and assessing and trying to work on some revisioning and some uh, volunteer relations. Cool. Cool. So Aaron, I know that, um, over the, over the years of doing this podcast, we've, I've talked to uh, a few people who have transitioned out of a career job as a, as a youth pastor. Um, what was that like? I, I know it was something that, that we talked about quite a bit and you were wrestling with, with that and everything. Um, kind of walk us through a little bit of, of how you got to the point where you realized that yes, God was calling you to step out of, uh, working as a, as a job, as a youth pastor, um, and to, to move into, to hope force. Sure. I don't know if I can give specific steps and, um, I, I think, I feel like that is always a process of prayer and discernment and of, of talking to people who know you, who, who, you know, our, our pastor here in Tennessee used the phrase who love Jesus more than you. Um, and so I think for me, I had a real rough several years at, within my church in New Hampshire, we had a, uh, we had some staff transition in a few different ways over several years. And the big thing for me was I didn't, at that point, I didn't, I wasn't angry. I wasn't, I wasn't considering leaving out of frustration. And if you've been in youth ministry more than 10 minutes, you've experienced that probably about once a month. And so a real big thing is when it was time, I was very much at peace with where things were. I don't, I don't think we always have that luxury, mm-hmm. but I think, I think a big thing for me, I, and I always kind of felt that God was calling me to, to youth ministry forever. Um, and maybe, maybe that I, who knows what he has for me in the future, but I got to the point where I loved my students. I, I loved, loved my students, every single one of them. And, but I just really did not enjoy the job. Um, I knew everything that it took because I, I served at that church for 10 years and I'd had various other ministry experiences before that volunteer, part-time, full-time, et cetera. But I just was in a place where the thought of, of preparing a talk, I didn't mind so much the talks, but all the, all the things you need to do to have a successful student ministry, I just, that weighed on me. And I just, I, I kind of was at the point where I, I dreaded planning events and, and all the things that you use, the tools that you use to engage students. Like I said, when I was hanging out with them at youth group, once I had everything planned, I loved it. It was, that was the, always the highlight of my week, but I just knew to really do this. I need to have my heart in it. And I was just in a place where my heart just wasn't in it. It didn't mean I didn't love my students. It didn't mean it wasn't really hard to feel like I was leaving them, 
but I just knew that I can't be, and I did this over the course of several years. So, mm-hmm. you know, if there's a, if there's a moment of counsel, I on an impulsively quit so many times you all do, everybody does, but, but take about 10 times longer than you think you should to really discern it. Yeah. That's, that's really good advice for sure. Um, I remember, I think it was uh, Doug Fields early on in uh, ministry. I, I heard him speak and he's like, yeah, you have the ability to, uh, to quit any day you want, but just be ready to, to start back again the next day. <laughs> and, uh, but if that progresses for, you know, an extended period of time, maybe it is time to at least, you know, assess things. And I, I love how you said, do not do it without counsel from, from others that can really help you through that and pray, pray with you through that whole process as well. So, uh, so yeah, are you, are you able to volunteer now, uh, at your church and how is that, how does that look with, cause I know, you know, your work just naturally will, will take you in a lot of different places and stuff like that. So are you even able to, uh, to volunteer within youth ministry or anything like that? So for the time being, uh, so the, yeah, exactly. The nature of my work, I, I travel a lot and, and a lot of last minute, um, I have a, uh, my daughter, I have one kid, my daughter's 14, she's in eighth grade, and my wife and I thought about it for a while, and for this season, I've chosen not to volunteer with the student ministry. Partly, I I was her youth pastor, youth director before, and in some senses, to to give her a little space, Um, and we're trying to fill that out delicately, but also... Um, just for me, for, for an opportunity to volunteer with, a, with different areas within, within the church. I'm actually on the setup and takedown team. So I was uh, earlier today, I was help, uh, setting up chairs for tomorrow morning after an event that we had at church. And so it's a different, it's a different type of ministry. I could very much see myself being a volunteer. I would, I would love to be a volunteer in the future. Mm-hmm. Currently we've made the decision that it, that for this season, it, it's something to just to not be involved in and kind of let my, my daughter have her time with, without dad around And mm-hmm. you can absolutely poke holes in that. It's not, it's not the best situation. It's not the best solution, but it's, it's kind of where we landed for the time being. For sure. Yeah. And I think everybody's, everybody's family situation is different than that. And I think the same would go for other jobs like that, like teachers and stuff like that is like some say, oh, it's horrible to have your own family. And, and other times, no, it's actually was something that was really, you know, helped and benefited our family was to, to have our kids involved in that. So I think it's all kind of to each his own sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, is it weird not having uh, you know, going to youth group? on Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, things like that. It is. I I get real nostalgic when I pick her up and drop her off. I I really miss speaking and teaching. Um, I'm, you know, I get, I get an itch for that a lot. Um, but yeah, to see, I, I mean, our, 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 um, youth pastor, church of the city, Spring Hill, Brandon, Brandon Owen, if you're listening, you are a rock star and you are my hero and my family loves you. Uh, just to see these guys, uh, Brandon and Anthony, uh, they're just Brandon, sorry. Um, they're just, they're knocking it out of the park and they're, they had to, they had to cancel the Christmas party because of COVID. So they brought the Christmas party to every kid in the youth group who won. So they showed up with wow. a minivan decked out with Christmas lights and they handed out, they handed out Christmas presents to my daughter. And as a parent, I mean, you have earned my respect forever. 
if you can pull off something like that. So they're just doing awesome, awesome work in a really tough season. And uh, I mean, they're, they are the heroes as so many of you all are. Um, I got out just as this was all shutting down and I can't imagine the level of intensity and the level of work trying to lead student ministry during this season is it's, it's gotta be, I don't envy what you guys are doing in that sense, because it's just, it's, it's tough work. It's hard work. It is. Well, speaking of hard work, uh, let's talk about what you guys do there at Hope Force International now. Um, so you've been there almost a year, I guess. And so um, so you kind of have an, a good idea of what this all looks like. So so run us through uh, what what Hope Force is able to do uh, for for people in need. What, what do you guys uh, if someone yeah asks like, what, what do you do with your job like now? <laughs> What's that look like now? Sure. So, yeah, so it's uh, international disaster relief. And so we kind of go, I joke with people that I chase tornadoes and hurricanes. Um, We go into uh, as quick as possible. We're all about rapid response. And so we go right to the site of of natural disasters. Most of our focus since I've been here has been tornadoes and hurricanes. It doesn't mean we don't respond to other things, but that's, that's what 2020 has brought us among among many other things. Um, and so we go in and we, we try and um, our, our main focus when there's a wind event, we tarp roofs, uh, shingles get, uh, roofing gets peeled back and then homes are vulnerable to more weather and water raining in. And then when there's flooding situations, we clean out houses, we do what's called mucking out and it's, it's hot, dirty, uh, miserable work, but it's, it's the thing that, that, people that homeowners need the most when they're just walking around in, you know, just kind of in, in awe of overwhelmed place of after having just walked through a natural disaster. And so we try and do that, bringing, you know, bringing the love and the hope of Christ. We don't, we're not overtly, you know, quote evangelizing, um, but we have emotional, spiritual care, um, chaplains and, and individuals who who walk people through the steps of, of their grief and and look for and pray for opportunities to share the gospel with them and or to encourage them in their faith and so we we try and do the, the hand in hand so it's a lot of construction type of work um, but it's we really try and look for for physical needs that we can meet well while simultaneously we always get the question of why would somebody fly to Texas from New Hampshire to come and serve little old me who, who just lost everything. And that's, that's just a foot in the door for an amazing conversation of, of spiritual things of, of about the gospel and their experience and all that. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, all the natural disasters on top of, and those are horrible enough, but then, you know, having COVID, you know, on top of all that stuff is just kind of complicated things. And, um, you know, we were we were talking before we started recording just about how the the necessity of of people coming in and just walking alongside of them and sometimes it really is that that just lending a, an ear to hear about you know all the the stuff they're going through is is a huge thing in addition to cleaning out their home but they also need you know someone to talk to because loneliness and anxiety and all that stuff is going crazy right now and uh, so that's that's really cool what you guys do. So. Yeah, we we try and focus on when we're looking for who to serve in those situations. 
we try and focus on on elderly people, uh, people in situations of poverty, people in um, who maybe don't have insurance. And and one of the things that we've just found over and over again is that is that we're dealing with people who just yeah they need their house cleaned out, but they really elderly people who haven't seen. I was chatting with a lady in Louisiana just a couple of days ago. I was I was stopping by to check in on her because we'd served her this last summer. And she just needed somebody to talk to. She she has been pretty well isolated from COVID and and uh, not being able to work. And then you know three different hurricanes came through her area over the summer. And my ministry for that day was just sitting and having a coke with her and, and listening to her story. And sometimes that's the most powerful thing you can do. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, you know, we got a bunch of youth pastors that are uh, youth workers that are listening to this podcast. uh, And they're probably wondering, um, like I see all the time, like people are asking, you know, where can we go on service trips and mission trips and things like that. So what kind of opportunities do youth workers have with Hope Force International? Specifically, uh, right now, our our main opportunity um, is through our Appalachia outreach. If you go to our website, hopeforce.org, there's a section on there for for Appalachia. My good good friend and uh, colleague, and actually predecessor at my previous church, Brian, is uh, he oversees our our Appalachia outreach, and it's just a great opportunity to go and to. More mostly construction based, but to go and to love on a, on a forgotten area, uh, that whole region um, for many many reasons, coal mining is significantly reduced and and has been automated, and so you have an area that was built entirely on the back of coal mining, and then that industry has is is very different and and very much smaller than it used to be, and so you have again people in in conditions of systemic poverty really feeling forgotten and, and left out who in just homes that are in terrible shape. Mm. So we have opportunities for we glung mission trips. Uh, that's like I said at the beginning, that's how I first got connected. We have an outreach in Haiti. Uh, right now it's pretty hard to, we're not scheduling any trips for that because that's pretty hard to get in and out. And we do have an outreach in, in Mexico uh, that we will long-term start planning trips from there. But, but really the, the first opportunity is, is Appalachia and it's just a great, great trip going there. In a lot of ways, you almost feel like you're entering into a third world country within our own borders, which, which kind of creates its own experience and really stops to make you think that, that people within our own borders are, are living in, in conditions like that. Wow. That's really good. And, and then on top of that, you guys do, yeah, your relief trips that are pretty much for the most part, spontaneous, depending on what the need is out there. So, so some, I know some youth pastors, maybe they, they have the ability to, you know, let their churches know about uh, what you guys do on a, on a bigger scale um, outside of just youth ministry. So what, how can churches get involved with you guys and, and start to send people and and things like that when, when a, a natural disaster does arise? So we have uh, we have a network of about 2,500 trained volunteers that we refer to as reservists. Uh, we we train up people, individuals um, who who have a heart to serve in these situations. It's it's not for everybody. Um, you're walking into some pretty difficult situation. Most of that training has to do with your own emotional and spiritual readiness to walk into 
situations where everything is leveled. When I went to Louisiana this summer, there was no water, there was no electricity for almost a month. And Mm -hmm. um, people were just devastated. And what you see, what you experience uh, walking through the grief with people is, is pretty overwhelming. And so we train people really for, you know, we can teach you to tarp a roof and to muck out a house on the job, but we want to train you to, to be ready to as, as ready as anybody could be to experience what you're going to experience. So we'll have trainings coming up for people who would, would have an interest in becoming a reservist. That's really how I ended up getting plugged in. And then also we have, you know, um, and that's, that's, up in the air right now, as, as so many things are with, with COVID situations and that, but we are working on, on some of that. And then we also do, once we're established, we also do accept volunteers. So if, if something hit in an area that you really had a heart for, and you had a desire to bring somebody or bring a couple people, uh, we can always make that happen. We're trying to increase our volunteers and our reservists simply because we run out of volunteers and people long before we run out of work. And it's really, it's really heartbreaking to call people up and knowing the situations uh, that they're in and, and to tell them that, that we can't help them because they have enough because, mm-hmm. because we don't have any more people. So we're, we're really working towards that. And, you know, certainly if anybody had it, if that sparked anything, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll be sharing my, my contact information and all that here at the end. I mean, I'd love to chat with you about that. Just even if you just wanted more information, because there's, there's a big need for, for people to come and to serve. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important for people to hear what, what your, uh, <laughs> what your business model, or I guess, or whatever, uh, your financial, you know, situation when they, when they come to help, let them know, like, cause I think this is a fantastic sort of situation. Um, and I think it helps people when they, when they hear that it's actually not uh, a ton of money out of their own pocket to be able to go and, and help hope force. Yeah. So when we deploy in disaster situations, um, you're responsible to get yourself to and from wherever it is. And then we take, we take care of everything once you're there. So housing and food. Now you're not going to be staying at a five-star hotel. You're probably going to be sleeping on the floor in a classroom at a church, very much like your own church. Uh, So you'll want to bring an air mattress, but we take care of feeding you and of housing you. So it really makes it accessible for people to, if you can get yourself to and from, we've been serving this week in these last two weeks in Texas after the deep freeze down there, helping people get water back. Um, if you can get yourself there and home, we can we can take care of you once you're there, which for me was really appealing when I was in the situation that maybe some of you are where I had a heart to serve, but I didn't have a, a, a big old fat pot, uh, wallet to to send me wherever I wanted. I, I I could usually get myself somewhere, whether it was driving or flying or, you know, somebody in my church who had a, a buddy pass or points or, or something. Um, I could usually work if I had time, I could usually work something like that out in order to get there. And then I was, I was covered once I was there, which was a huge help. That's cool. That's cool. So, so yeah, I think there's, there's plenty of opportunities where, whether it's getting, you know, your own youth group involved or getting other people, other adults within your church involved, or maybe it's just youth pastors out there that are thinking, you know what, I want to, I want to give back. I don't want to serve like, like yourself, Aaron, that just kind of sought that out yourself and started helping out here and there uh, when they had a little bit of extra time. Um, that's, that's really cool. So uh, let's take a, a little bit of a turn and uh, you get an opportunity now with 
with uh, at least five more years of, uh, of youth ministry under your belts uh, <laughs> since our last chat. So what are a couple tips that you'd like to share with other youth workers out there that are, that are listening today? Um, maybe it has to do with, you know, kind of your own situation, or maybe it's just some, a couple other things that you kind of picked up along the way that you think uh, all these other youth workers would, uh, should, should definitely hear. Um, for me, kind of being on, on the outside, um, your ministry to parents is equally as important as your ministry to their students. Um, it, it goes without saying, but it needs to be said again, clear communication, um, planning ahead of time, just, just keeping parents in the loop. Uh, I think parents, I, I can speak for us and I, I don't think it's, we're isolated. It's, it's a hard go right now to be a parent with, with just all the different, technology things we're dealing with and um, being on the other side of having a student in a youth ministry makes me, I wouldn't say regret, that's not a, that's not a fair word, but makes me wish I had been better at communicating with parents that I, mm -hmm. I made that an intentional part of my ministry because it's just, it, it, I, I don't know how best to describe it other than I, I, it has been become very clear to me how, how vastly important that is. Um, whatever that looks like, whether you seek out, I think I probably shared the first time I was on this to, to, to reach out to families, to parents and just say, Hey, can I, how can I serve your family? If you were to take me out for a cup of coffee and you asked how I could serve, how you could serve my family, I will talk your ear off and you will be my hero. And I, I made such good connections with families of students when I was doing that. And that has been reinforced tenfold now that, now that I'm on the other side of it. I just, I just can't, uh, because you can get insight on what's going on with the kids that maybe you didn't understand. You think, you know, but again, you have the kids for an hour and a half a week and they, they have them for the rest. Um, and I think really for me, the other, the other big thing that I would say is, and again, kind of comes out of, of some of my deficiencies is, is the importance of taking time to be prayer, prayerful for each and every student by name. It sounds cumbersome, but if your ministry is too big that, that students aren't being prayed for by name, then I think you're missing out. I just, I just feel like with everything that kids are going through, Currently, um, it's unlike anything I have ever witnessed. And I got started in youth ministry in 1998, and it is just a different time. And I just think it is a time that people in student ministry need to rely on the Spirit of God more than ever. You know, clever programs are out the window in 2020, and big budgets are out the window. You know, you can run your youth group off a Zoom subscription. And so if you have a $50,000 budget, that's a lot of computers. You know, <laughs> it's it's uh, all that stuff. I, I feel like this has been so refining and just the importance of prayer for individual students and for their families as they're navigating all the identity stuff that is, has gone rampant in, in our world and then has been magnified by isolation. I just, I just feel like these students just need somebody going to God on their behalf, kind of stepping in when, when they don't want to. Yeah. 
I think I think there could probably be some real biblical basis for being a stand-in for somebody else when when they're not when they're not there and and to be able to say I'm going to go to God on your behalf maybe you don't care maybe you're too distracted maybe you're too overwhelmed whatever but but we can be an intermediary and I just something about that has really resonated with me over over this last year because if nothing else it's revealed to us just how powerless we are and uh, maybe we thought we were pretty good because we had a lot of numbers or we had a successful this or that and that's certainly been me at times but it's just been pretty clear of how how helpless i am uh, as a parent how helpless i was as as somebody in student ministry and and kind of revealing what the reality actually is um and so those are the, the two real light and, you know, easy things that come. <laughs> no, that's, that's so good. I mean, we could, we could have separate podcasts about each of those things uh, for sure, because they're, they're so important, I, I think. So um, Aaron, I know people are going to want to connect with you. Um, I think it's, you're, you're not the type of person that's uh, going to come on here and, and ask for money. Um, so I'm going to ask for it for you. Uh, <laughs> and so I know. Uh, I, will, like, I will oblige. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that uh, all you guys do is, is is dependent upon individuals and churches that are um, just supporting uh, and feeling like they want to be a part of that mission. So, um, so how do people get in touch with you? But also, if they do want to help out and uh, financially um, to to hope for us, how how does that happen? Yeah, um, easiest way, honestly, nowadays, social media is pretty taxing for me um, with with my role. Easiest way is an email, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N dot Stetson, S-T-E-T-S-O-N at hopeforce.org. That's going to be the that's going to be the simplest way. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm not super responsive. Um, There's a lot going on on there. And it's just it's just become a challenge. As far as Hope Force, finding more about what we do, it's hopeforce.org. And then, yeah, anybody who either as an individual or think maybe you got, you know, missions at your church that has some interest, um, either for me as an individual or just the work of, of what Hope Force does, uh, that's just so essential, so helpful for us to, to continue forward in, in serving people because natural, statistically speaking, natural disasters are on the rise. And for whatever reason, um, that's, that's happening. And so we're just in a place where we're needing to respond more than we ever have. Hope Force was founded in 2003, because at that point we were looking at, man, these things are just coming faster and faster. And there's not a lot out there. Um, it's grown a little bit. Um, there's some wonderful, wonderful other organizations that are out there that we partnership with sometimes partner with sometimes. But hopeforce.org, uh, there's a little blue button in the top right-hand corner. It says donate. Um, there's a drop-down menu where you can choose designation, staff fund. Uh, we have the different relief efforts that we have. And then, you know, again, if people want to support me, there's a, a comment box. You just write my name and then hopeforce staff fund. It's, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. And, you know, most of you may or may not have heard this, but monthly monthly giving is most helpful. Anything is welcome, of course, but monthly giving is, is super helpful just in the fact that it, it helps as a family, it helps us budget to know, okay, we got this much coming in that we can, that we can bank on as a family to, to just kind of keep moving forward. Um, 
So those are, yeah, those are, those are the real, the real key, you know, poke around our Hope Force website. There's a, we're in the process of um, looking at rebuilding it because it is a little bit dated, but there's a lot of great videos and information on there about, about our work and what we do. And, and, and we really try and highlight stories of some of the people that we've served. So you could, you could find that all on there, um, all the resources for that. Cool. Cool. Well, Aaron, it has been great to uh, be considered one of your friends over the years, and uh, it's been awesome to, to see what God has done in your ministry and your life in New Hampshire, and now what he's continuing to do for you and through you uh, there at your, your work for Hope Force. So thanks for being a guest on the podcast, and uh, may God bless your ministry. Thanks so much, Steve. You too. And thanks to all of you one more time for listening and tuning in and sharing this podcast with others. Uh, if you would be so kind, please make sure you check out our sponsors' websites. Head over to gshades.org, that's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G, and you can download Season 2 of the G-Shades Youth Ministry Curriculum, and be sure to use the, the code UNITED, that's U-N-I-T-E-D, to get $5 off of your order. And also head over to minhubsync.com slash SMP. Again, that's M-I-N-H-U-B-S-Y-N-C dot com slash SMP for student ministry podcast and uh, you can just check out all that MinHub has to offer over there but also sign up for their sync service and when you do that you also are helping the uh, the student ministry podcast so thanks so much to G Shades and MinHub for sponsoring this episode also thank you so much Aaron for being on the podcast if you want to check out all of his links they will be in the show notes along with all of our sponsors, along with all of the social media links for this podcast. All of that is going to be in the show notes for this podcast, so make sure you check that out. Uh, you can also head to the studentministrypodcast.com, or you can even head to stevecullum.com, and you can find the links for all of the podcasts there and all the, the links in the, the show notes there as well. Lots of different places for you to find all of that information. Uh, the next podcast, episode 67, I'm really excited because uh, we're gonna, I'm going to be able to talk with a, uh, a different type of interview that, than we've had before, uh, someone that, um, in a way, I've never thought I was going to be able to, uh, to get to talk to um, and some connections that this person has that I'll just kind of tease right now. But you definitely want to check out episode 67 when that uh, drops in just a few weeks. But uh, until then, thank you guys so much for tuning in for another episode and may God bless your ministry.